It's good to be up here this morning as we continue in our, our Philippians, joyful, joyfully growing in Jesus. Slide. There we go. Joyfully growing in Jesus as revealed in Philippians. Pastor Matt started us off last week um, preaching a great sermon, Increasing in Love. And he taught us how to growing in, in loving each other because of how Christ loves us. Let's pray. Dear Father in heaven, Lord, we love you and we praise you. Lord, that we can hear your word this morning. Just let the truth of your word, Lord, penetrate our hearts and our minds this morning. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. So, okay, how are we doing with our New Year's resolutions? Has anyone made any? Yeah, you know what? I don't know. I don't really make them either. All I know is that I have a bunch of holiday weight to lose. That's my New Year's resolution every year, to eat like crazy and then lose the weight afterwards. But I looked up a a few different uh, lists of New Year's resolutions in case you hadn't made yours yet, and uh, I found a lot of really good ones, but they were kind of lame, so I'm going to read some funny ones because, you know, I like that better. So here's a list of funny New Year's resolutions. One guy wrote, this is, these were all posted on social media in different places. One guy wrote, his New Year's resolution is to learn what a resolution is. If you don't know what that means, it means you resolve to do something throughout the year. For the year, not after three weeks, and then quit. So a resolution is that you resolve, you're committed to doing something. Another guy wrote, he wants to buy lotto tickets at, lucky, at luckier stores. So he figures the ones, the places he's going, that's, those stores are not lucky. He's going to switch it up a little. This is one uh, that I've got um, accused of before. I will not tell the same story at every get-together. You know, somebody once told me that at work. It was pretty embarrassing. Another uh, person said, I will no longer waste time reliving the past. Instead, I will spend it worrying about the future. That seems a little counterproductive, but okay. This one I don't know about. I will do less laundry by using more deodorant. I don't know if that's good or not. One lady wrote, she wants to work with neglected children, starting with her own. I guess you got to start somewhere. Okay, resolve. This gentleman, he wants to resolve to make better bad decisions. So he doesn't, it's not going to go full out and try to make good decisions. He's going to make better bad decisions. He's, he's taking baby steps. Here's a good, I wish I had more time for this. Play more video games. Studies have shown that they improve visual skills, reflexes, and dexterity. This guy really thought this through. He needs to play more video games. Uh, to start eating more healthy by finishing all the junk food first so I don't get tempted. I mean, you got to get rid of that stuff somehow. And you, my mom said you can't ever throw food away, so I eat everything until it's gone. And finally, the, the, the last one I thought was pretty good, finally get rid of all those clothes I know will never fit again. That's, that's just being real. All right, so... Here's the one thing that stood out uh, to me as I was looking up all these New Year's resolutions. 
We are a me-focused society. I mean, think about that. We like to focus on us. And, and there's certainly nothing wrong with bettering yourself. I mean, we, we should try. But I started to ask myself, I was looking through these, what is the goal or the sole purpose of my life? I mean, is it to be healthier, wealthier, and, and more comfortable? I mean, because, again, there's nothing wrong with that. You know, you can work towards those goals. But we as a culture, we seem to have made it our top priority, these three things. I mean, what about making the world a better place? What about helping to change others' lives? I mean, those seem like more noble causes to me. As Christians, we get so easily sucked into this, it's all about me line of thinking. Even our own, in our own Christian culture, it's about health and wealth rather than service to our Savior. Especially not doing the one thing that he's actually commanded us to do, and that's to go therefore and make disciples. We want to be very intentional in this church and that's why we're starting to offer courses like uh, the 2, 8, and 9, the evangelistic Bible study, because we need to start with the gospel. But we're very intentional here about making disciples that can make disciples. You know, especially as leaders of this church and us as individuals, one day we're going to give an account to Jesus for our lives. Now, if you're a believer this morning, that, that means that you believe that you are a sinner and you're saved by putting your faith in Christ. You're not going to give an account for salvation. That's already been taken care of. But we will give an account for what we did with the truth of the gospel that was given and entrusted to us. That's why I want to be personally more gospel-focused this year. See, when we're gospel-focused, we see that not only it benefits those in need of the gospel, but it also benefits all of us as well. That's why the title of today's sermon is gospel Focus." As we continue in the book of Philippians, we're going to see how Paul's life was laser-focused on the gospel. Everything he said and did was filtered through this one thought. How is it going to help me tell others about the forgiveness of Christ? We'll be in the book of Philippians chapter 1, uh, looking at verses 12 through 14. They will be up on the screen. And we're going to look at this gospel over everything approach that Paul took. Let's, let's read 12 through, through 13. Paul starts out, I want you to know, brothers... That what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel, so that it has become known throughout the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my, imprison my imprisonment, are much more bold to speak the word without fear." If we take these three verses and we sum them up into one main idea, we get this. When our lives are gospel-focused, we can overcome any hardship and affect the lives around us for eternity. When our lives are laser-focused on the gospel, we can overcome any hardship and we can affect the lives around us for eternity. Let's dive into these verses and see why that's true. Verse 12, 
Paul wants us to understand that God could even use evil for his purpose. He starts off by saying, I want you to know, brothers, that what has happened to me has really served to advance the gospel. Well, what has happened to Paul? If, if you go through and you read uh, 2 Corinthians 11, it's not up on a screen. Listen to what Paul has happened to Paul. He gives this short list. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews 40 lashes less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned and left for death. Three times I was shipwrecked. A night and a day I was adrift at sea. On frequent journeys, in danger from rivers, danger from robbers, danger from my own people, danger from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false brothers, danger, Will Robinson. Sorry, I've been watching Lost in Space. But you see, he's been in danger, in toil and hardship through many sleepless nights, in hunger and thirst, often without food, in cold and exposure. This all happened to advance the gospel? Paul's going to get more into that in the next few verses. But all these things happened to him as he was going forth to either preach to different places or start churches. All of these things happened to him. I mean, most of us would see these things as a great clue to just give up. I mean, seriously. All these things are coming against you. We would feel like, well, obviously I'm not supposed to be doing this, right? Because this is a complete train wreck. That's not always the case. Even through the hardest times, we remember our lives are not about being comfortable and happy, but about telling others about the gospel. Listen, life is rough sometimes, right? But there's victory in these difficult times when we remember that God is in control. And maybe he's going to use these tough things to complete and shape who we are. But he also provides for us. Think about that. Paul understood that God may have allowed him to go through all of these things, but God also rescued him from these things. Let that sink in a little. It brings us to our first point. There is victory over trials in difficult times when we stay focused on the gospel. We can have victory over these things. We can use them and understand that these times are going to come. We can have victory over them when we stay focused on the gospel. Let's move on to verse 13. Paul was actually wearing his imprisonment as a badge of honor and using it to spread the gospel. He says, so that it has become known throughout the the whole imperial guard and to the rest that my imprisonment is for Christ. Paul let everybody know that he was in prison for nothing else but than just preaching the gospel. I mean, he didn't steal anything he he didn't murder anybody he didn't do anything that would cause him to be thrown in prison other than just preaching the gospel but he's like even going to prison he found an opportunity to talk about the gospel i bet you those prison guards got really sick of hearing him talk about how great jesus was 
Paul wanted to use every opportunity to advance the gospel. You ever hear of the term bloom wherever you're planted? It's usually, you know, talking about you're in a situation or a season in life that you're not especially excited about. But like Paul's saying, listen, man, you're there. Who cares how you got there? Bloom where you're planted. Whether Paul was in front of rulers, philosophers, Jews, or Gentiles, he used that time to to talk about the gospel in a way that people could understand it. His audience mattered to him. So maybe we feel like we're not equipped to talk about why people need Jesus in our own personal lives. Listen, I get it. Paul was highly educated, intellectual guy. He was, you know, studied to be a top Pharisee, so he knew the, the Jewish religion and Jewish law very well. He also had Roman citizenship, uh, which allowed him to get a great secular education and allow him rights that the Jews didn't have. So his, um, his influence was, was far and it was wide, and he was able to speak to many different people on their level. But let me tell you, church, God calls all kinds of people to spread the gospel. All kinds. He used a tax collector that everybody hated in Matthew. He used some rough and uh, tumble fishermen that were just known for doing backbreaking labor to spread the gospel. He used a doctor in Luke. He used Jesus himself, who was the son of a carpenter. I mean, that's how culture viewed him back then. Why should we listen to this guy? He's just the son of a carpenter. We all have a platform and people that only we can reach. Our sphere of influence that we can take the truth of the gospel and explain it to people. So let me ask you, what are you doing with that? One thing you could do is be like Paul. Imagine these people in your sphere of influence see that you're going through a terrible time or a trial, something something really bad, but you're using it to glorify God. I've heard some great stories over the years about Christians going through some terrible times, but they use it to glorify God. Some have even said that is the greatest time to glorify God when you have no reason for hope and peace, but somehow you do. That brings us to our second point. Hard times can be used to glorify God and spread the gospel. Listen, we live in a sin-cursed world, amen? Bad things are going to happen. But when people see that your faith is way deeper than surface level, it makes a great impact. It really does. It reminds us of our main idea. When our lives are gospel-focused, we can overcome any hardship and affect lives around us for eternity. In our final verse we're going to look at this morning, verse 14, Paul was empowered to continue no matter what because how it affected others. He says this, And most of the brothers, having become confident in the Lord by my imprisonment, are much 
more bold to speak the word without fear. Paul was extremely encouraged that his example allowed others to speak boldly without fear. They were like, if this guy who's suffering all these things is saying stuff like, all these things were awesome because it allowed me to advance the gospel. And then they saw the fruit of his work with people being saved and churches being started. They're like, I want to do what that guy's doing. I know when I see other Christians living out the gospel in, in this kind of way, I get excited. It encourages me in my own personal relationships with people to bring up the gospel. A lot of times um, I, I look at the, the Voice of the Martyrs page. They have a, a page on Facebook or on, you know, uh, they have a website. And it talks a lot about um, all the different stories throughout the world. And if I said it once, I'll say it a million times right now. In 2020, there are more persecuted Christians throughout the world than ever in human history. Don't believe that it was just something that happened a long time ago. There are more persecuted Christians these days than ever. I read a story about this guy, Hamza, and he's from Pakistan. Now, let me tell you a little bit about him. He's, he's an indentured servant, which means this. It means that his family is working for this guy that owns a kiln that makes bricks. He works for this guy to, to make some money, but to pay off a debt that his family has owed this man. Maybe he gave him all the bricks to build their house. We don't know. We just know he's an indentured servant to this gentleman. This gentleman is a Muslim. And Hamza is a Christian. His boss had no problem with that until one time he invited a coworker to church, and that coworker heard the truth of the gospel and converted from Islam to Christianity. Well, his boss didn't like that very much. So he had Hamza beaten so badly it broke one of his shoulders, and he was unable to work. And then not only that, because of what he did, he sold him to another business. Think about that. Because he invited a coworker to church and they got saved. So when Voice of the Martyrs, as they try to get these stories out, they'll send out people into the field to, to really sit down and have a conversation with these people, to check out their stories. And they ask Hamza, what is the one thing you would like us to tell people to pray for? You know what he said? Pray that God would change the hearts of those attacking me. That is unbelievable. I might pray that a giant sack of bricks would fall on that guy. Good thing I'm not God. When I'm reminded about what some of our Christian brothers and sisters are enduring today for the sake of the gospel, I get emboldened to tell people about the news of forgiveness for hell-deserving sinners. When I see that others are joyfully willing to sacrifice everything just to tell people like Jesus, or just to tell people about Jesus, I get excited. When I see pictures of the Russells, think about that. 
listen, when I go to bed tonight, it's going to be in a comfy bed with my AC cranked down because it's got to be cold and I got to have the right pillow and the right blanket. Now listen, I will go climb a mountain right now. I'll go to the ends of the earth, but at night I want to be in my own comfy bed. A family like the Russells have sold basically everything to go over to help this people group spread the gospel. After this typhoon, they, they spent many countless nights looking up at the stars, hoping it's not going to rain because their roof wasn't complete. When I see people like that, it helps me remember we have a life-changing message that others desperately need to hear, and we have to figure out a way to get it to them. And it brings us to our final point. How we react in difficult times can encourage others to be bold for the gospel. Listen, other Christians and non-Christians, but other Christians are watching us. And listen, I fail all the time. I leave conversations where I'm like, oh, man, I really could have, you know, talked about this or, or said that. Or, you know, maybe, you know, I'm short with somebody not because I'm 5'6", but maybe I'm short with somebody and I walk away and I'm like, man, you know what? I just kind of set that back a little bit, that conversation where I could have done that a little bit better. But we can understand that these Christians are watching us and, and I want to encourage you to go out and have these conversations. I want you to encourage us to boldly preach the gospel unashamedly, boldly preach the gospel every time that we're up here because that is the most important thing we could possibly say from this stage. So as Mike and Zara come up and as we close, if you don't have a New Year's resolution, it should be to be more gospel-focused. Amen? I'm going to Jesus juke you and guilt you into it. As we're being more gospel-focused, we remember these things. Our first point was, there's victory over trials and difficult times when we stay focused on the gospel. Listen, if your life becomes more about focusing on the gospel, let me warn you now, there's going to be some people in your life that don't exactly like that. You might have to sacrifice something. You might have some hard times. That's, that's going to happen. But let me tell you this. If your life becomes more about worrying about people going to heaven and less about health, wealth, and success, no weapon formed against you will prosper. When your life's more about loving people rather than loving yourself, you can endure most anything. Nothing's going to matter. What's sad is that people as myself, sometimes care more about what other people think than what Jesus commands us to do. I mean, what if I talk about Jesus with somebody and they laugh at me and they don't like me anymore or I don't say something perfect? Well, this morning Paul tells us, okay, weak sauce, were you beaten? Were you shipwrecked? Were you robbed? Were you stoned and left for dead? Were you in prison for talking about Jesus? I'm going to guess probably not because you're sitting here this morning. Church, let's focus on the gospel and have victory over these trials and difficult times, even mean people. 
Our second point was hard times can be used to glorify God and spread the gospel. Paul says, take these hard times and use them to glorify God even more. There was this story about this uh, lady who was a cop. I don't know if you remember it uh, at the end of last year where there was a mistake where she went into the wrong apartment, didn't know where she was, and she ended up accidentally shooting and killing somebody. But the story was at her trial. She forgave, or, or her, the, the gentleman who got shot, his brother made a point to walk over to her and forgive her in front of everybody. This man's brother's life was taken, and it was a complete accident. And this lady's gonna you know, spend some time in jail, but he wanted her to know that he was not going to carry this around and went over across the courtroom, hugged her and said, I forgive you for what happened. Do you realize that that guy did more to advance the gospel in that moment than a hundred preachers preaching awesome sermons? That's what it's about. And it also freed him from the hatred and pain that was in his heart. It's a win-win. Let me ask you, church, what is something difficult in your life that God may want to use to spread the gospel? Maybe it's not something huge. You know, maybe it's something small. But what is something that maybe it's going on in your life right now that God wants to use to spread the gospel? Third, our third point, how we react in difficult times can encourage others to be bold for the gospel. Again, there's so many different great stories about people praising God amid unspeakable pain. And I think it's just so encouraging when we read these stories and when we understand what other people are going through, we can relate. Listen, church, know that fellow Christians are going through the same things that you are. They don't want to, you know, bring up those uncomfortable conversations with their coworkers and with their family. They're they have the same struggles that you do when you sit down to talk to people about these things. But look at the ones that are going unashamed. Who cares what anybody thinks? Christ commanded us to make disciples. Be encouraged by them. And we remember our main idea, when our lives are gospel focused, we can overcome any hardship and affect the lives around us for eternity. Listen, when we focus on the gospel, it benefits those that are in desperate need of the gospel and it benefits the rest of us, your Christian brothers and sisters. Let's pray.